This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. We're all familiar with Therese of Lisieux, and we love her, but she came from a pretty famous family. Louis and Zaley Martin were her parents, and they have been canonized saints as well. And boy, do they have a story. I often will you know, like judge people, and, and, and we do that. We judge people. We say, well, you know, of course, Therese was a saint. She had really holy parents, and they lived this really holy life, and, and you know, we can make judgments. But the truth is, the married life that Louis and Zaley lived was really not without its challenges. Boy, Zaley especially, she's like my new go-to saint. I just love her. I can relate to her. She struggled. She had joys. She just was a real woman in the 1800s who struggled to raise a family and worked out her sanctification in married life, as did Lewis. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. This is their, their backgrounds are very interesting. So they both had a real heart for the Lord. They both thought that they had a vocation to religious life. Lewis, so this guy, athletic, tall, handsome, spiritual. He loved to fish. He was an expert fisherman. He hunted, he hiked in the woods, but he had a real contemplative side to him. He loved prayer and he loved solitude and he loved quiet time. And so he, he thought that he had a vocation and he'd made a couple of trips up to the hermitage of the grand St. Bernard in the Alps. Now we think about that St. Bernard, that's like the dog, right? Uh, these Augustinian monks were in the pass in the high Alps. So when travelers were crossing over, if there was an avalanche or they were lost or whatever, that's that dog <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the monk, you know, they go out and they save the people. Um, that's where we get the, the St. Bernard breed. It has its origins there from this hermitage. And so Lewis thought that he should be a monk there and live there. And he was totally suited for it as far as his spirituality and his connection with nature and solitude and his spirituality. So anyway, he went there. He made a, a pilgrimage there. He had been before, but he made a pilgrimage there. And he knocked on the door. And that's what you do, you know, at, for religious orders. Often there's a, a ceremony where they knock on the door and they ask for admittance, you know. Anyway, he goes up there and they don't even know he's coming and he knocks on the door. Um, 
But the the abbot there, he said, well, you you can't at this time because you don't know Latin. He he wasn't schooled in Latin. You have to be very proficient in Latin to live as a monk and to live among us. So he didn't. He was not accepted. And there was a time. There's some records of it where he was trying to learn his Latin. There's notes and things, and he was studying. But life has a way of showing you how you're supposed. You know, the way you're supposed to go. And it wasn't that. Even though he had a heart and a longing for it, and we can imagine that he would have made a pretty good monk up there rescuing people in the snow with the dogs. But um, but no, he. He gave up learning the the Latin and ended up becoming a watchmaker. And you think, wow, a watchmaker. Why a watchmaker? I mean, here's a guy who loves the outdoors and then he's, you know, working on the, the mechanics of a watch. Well, part of that did go very well with his personality because when you're working on fine equipment like that, there's something contemplative about it. Something quiet where you, you're working on something and it's it, you're by yourself, you know, checking out the watch and spending the time. And that part of his personality did fit with watchmaking. It ended up he was an apprentice and he learned and then he ended up getting his own business. But his mother was very disappointed because, you know, he wasn't interested in marriage. He realized he shouldn't. He didn't have a vocation. He wasn't going to go become a monk up at the Grand St. Bernard Hermitage, but but he wasn't looking for a wife either. He was seemed to be very content, you know, just being single. And uh, this bothered his mom because she wanted to see him married, and he was getting close to 35 years old. And so, you know, you know how mothers are. They want their children happily married if they're not, uh, if they're not a monk or a priest. Anyway, so that was his life up to the moment that he met Zaley. Zaley's life was similar in some respects. She had a heart for the Lord and a real adventurous kind of upbeat, ready to get to work kind of attitude. And she had a heart for the poor and the sick. And so as a young woman, her mother took her to the Sisters of Charity at St. Vincent de Paul to present her so that she could become a sister and, and do their work and live with them. And this is probably the quickest discernment that in the history of discerning, because when she's presented to the mother superior there, right off the bat, the mother looked at her. The mother superior looked at Zaley and said, you do not have a vocation. That was the end of the story. There was no discerning or discovering or anything. And she was really, really sad about that because she wanted a vocation. This is what she desired. So anyway... There was another side of Zaley, kind of a mystical side a little bit. So after this, she she made a point of entrusting her future to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And something happened after that entrustment. She heard an interior voice that said, see to the making of, of Point Alicon. I know I'm saying that. I'm butchering that. It's a place in France known for making a special, very delicate lace. And this lace is so intricate and so delicate that it takes several years to learn the craft. And it might take six or seven hours to create a piece of lace the size of a large postage stamp. I mean, it's really intricate. 
And so she heard this, go and learn this. So she went to the school and she learned the craft of this special lace making. And then she went into business and in her business, she had several women who had also learned it. They would go home and make these little, little pieces of it. And then her job was to take all the little pieces and put them together or mend them if they had made mistakes. And she was really, really good at it. But it's kind of like watchmaking. I mean, it's a, a, a focused kind of work and, uh, and, and she loved her work. She loved it. So she went and she did that. And also when she had been rejected initially, uh, from becoming a sister, you know, she didn't have a vocation and just a few minutes, she knew that dream was over. Well, when she entrusted herself to the Virgin Mary, she did make the assumption that since she wasn't going to be a sister, that she would be a married woman, even though she went about the lace making education and the building of the business. She, she knew that she was going to be a married woman and she prayed that the Lord would, would send her many, many children that she could prepare for heaven. So, um, so that was, was the background of these two very special people. Well, remember I told you that Zaylee had kind of a bent towards a little bit of mysticism. So one day these two happen to be crossing the same bridge. They're walking on foot and they're crossing each other. And as they pass by each other, Zaylee heard that voice again, that voice that she only heard a couple times in her life that we know of. And, and she was pretty open about these things because she wrote letters. So there's a lot that we can glean from her. And this was one of those times. And this is what she heard as she passed Lewis, who was tall and handsome and walking across the bridge. And she didn't know who he was. What she heard was, this is he whom I have prepared for you. Isn't that interesting? I don't know all the details, but three months later, three months later, they were married and they got married at midnight. Isn't that interesting? Married at midnight. Uh, uh, there was a custom for people who wanted to, to save money or, or not, you know, or the more religious couples would get married at midnight. So anyway, if there were ever kindred spirits with two people, it was Zaley and, and Lewis. They were just great friends. They understood each other. They were, like we would say, they were on the same page. And they understood each other's desire for holiness and that they had both wanted life of the religious. And so they decided that they would go through this life together and, you know, growing in holiness together as brother and sister that they would not live as a, a married couple with the sexual union of a married couple. And they decided this. And so for 10 months, well, remember they only knew each other three months before they got married and to begin with. So for 10 months, they got to know each other even better, but without the marital uh, sexual union. And that's how they intended to live. But then they were counseled by a priest and he told them that, that this wasn't for them, that they needed to be open to children and you know, gave them that counsel to live as husband and wife that way. And so out of that union, nine children were born and four of them would die young. Three, a girl and two boys would die as babies before they reached their first birthday. And a little girl 
Helene, she would die at five years old. At that time in history, it was about a 19% mortality rate for infants. But for them, up until they had their last child, there was a point at which it was 50%. Four had survived and four had died. And that's really a rough way to go. And you would think, oh, the family was was sad, dysfunctional, broken up. And that was not the case. They mourned. They went through hard times. And we'll get into some of that in another program. But they had joy in their life. Their family life was was actually joyful. It was religious. They, they observed everything about the Catholic Church, the liturgical year, and all the, the fasts and the feasts and everything like that, and um, the way they cooked and what they did. But they would get together and sing, and they would, the girls, the only ones that survived were girls, they would put on plays and they would act it out for their family. And Lewis, he would change his voice. You know, he was a little bit of a theatrical kind of guy. And they just would have a lot of fun together going on outings and trips and picnics. And uh, they were, you know, they really worked hard at being a harmonious family. So just when you think, oh, they lost four children, most of us would imagine that life would just absolutely stop. And, and for a time, of course, it did. But they, but they lived like they should, a family, an integrated family. It's interesting because the life of the family could get really hard. And there is a temptation sometimes to think about the other life you could have had. And so I'm going to read a quote from Zaley, and it's something that we can all relate. She was just having trouble with the lace and the business and trying to run a family. And you can imagine all that was going on in her life. And so she she just about had it one time and she wrote about it to her sister. And I'm going to read this to you. I have a lot of trouble with this wretched lace, which gives me the hardest time. I earn a little money. That's true. But my God, it costs me so much. It's at the price of my life because I believe that it's shortening my days. And if God doesn't protect me in a special way, it seems to me that I'll not live long. I could easily be consoled by that if I didn't have any children to raise. She got really frustrated with her late, late sometimes and, and wish she, you know, her sister, her own sister became a nun. So she, she would wish for that life that she could have had. And so many of us, we can wish for a life that, we remember that it would be better than it was. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. And so she would fall into that sometimes and she would say, but that was a temptation and she didn't give into it. This is her reaction. After longingly look at the life of being a sister instead of a, a wife and mother running a lace business. But quickly I tell myself, I wouldn't have my four little girls my charming little Joseph, no, it's better that I struggle where I am and that they are here. And so I think that is so, so insightful of her. So this is part one. We're going to go to part two because we've got, there's more to this story, a lot more. So let's end for today. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. 
You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.